that's what we love. It's a reflection of the world we want to see where everyone, regardless of culture, religion, sexual orientation, political orientation, Mm -hmm. whatever. They're just curly. Yeah, that we have in common. We can just unite around that and be in that space. My name is Wafea Abdallah, owner of Curly Oasis Inc., a curl-centric salon and education platform in Rockville, Maryland. Since opening the salon in 2005, we've seen how teaching people to care for their curls is a step into a much deeper journey of self-acceptance and empowerment. This show explores some of those different journeys and the lessons that we've learned along the way in hair care and in life. In our very first episode, we're talking to Hannah Gaber, who started out as a client, then became a friend, and is now the producer of this podcast. We thought we'd start off by explaining a bit about the salon, our philosophy, and how we came up with the idea for this show. This is The Curl Code. I have to ask, what were you doing with your hair up until the point you decided to honor your third dimension? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, not much. I found w- I had one hairdresser in Tucson who I loved. And like, you know, I think this is probably also reflective of a lot of curly journeys. Mm. You find your one hairdresser and that's it. They you didn't don't. mess my hair up. I'm going to stick with them. It's exactly <laughs> that. And it's really like, it's so sad. Like the bar is that low. She was better than that. But yes, the bar is literally like, okay, they didn't do something to me that I now have to live with, with for six months while it grows out. Like, right. And curly hair can grow really slow like mine. Anyway, so I found this one hairdresser who I loved and trusted. And so I was getting my hair cut like every 18 months, <laughs> maybe <laughs> like every two years, every year yeah. and a half, whenever yeah. I would go home. And um, I, you know, I would try all the leave-ins. It was like I, I was cycling through products constantly, all the time. All the things that you could buy at CVS, you know, then Instagram gets you. And then you're like ordering things from, you're like, okay, I'll try that. Okay, I'll try this. Okay. And just not ever really finding like a rhythm. There was no rhythm to maintaining it that made me feel confident or like I had any power over what the outcome might be. Mm, mm. It was just always like, Oh, hope this doesn't suck. Oh, try it. And that was it. And then, you know, that all changed when I came in here. Your story really like there's so much that can be weaved into what you're saying. Yeah. You know, because you made the decision to show up. How did you come to be here? My guess is this is probably the case with a lot of your clients. Uh, I saw a girlfriend of mine and I was like, wow, Jordan, your curls look amazing. I can't, you know, I don't know when the last time I saw you was, but have you been doing something differently? And she was like, I've been doing everything differently. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And she and she is African-American. And um, she said, I found this curl salon. You've got to go. And I said, "Mm, "Okay." You know, but I have Jewish hair. So is it a natural hair salon? Like, is it mostly for black women? And she was like, oh, no, no, no. It is a curl salon. Trust me. There's all different kinds of curls in there. You can go and check it out. And I was like, ooh. Yeah. And that's such a such a thing in the industry, right? Traditionally, that are you a black salon? Are you, a, you know, another kind of salon? And only when we started focusing on natural textured hair like curls whether tight spirals or loose waves and everything in between Mm -hmm. did I really start to see that you know all kinds of women 
all kinds of people mm -hmm. really are coming here. That's what we love. It's a reflection of the world we want to see where everyone, regardless of culture, religion, sexual orientation, political orientation, mm -hmm. whatever. They're just curly. Yeah, that we have in common. We can just unite around that and be in that space. Exactly. When I've been explaining this show and the idea that we have for the show to people, basically what I've done is reflected my own experience, which is that when you walk in the door to this salon, it reflects a choice that you have made somewhere inside yourself, not just to accept your curly hair that, you know, maybe you were made fun of your entire life or you've been straightening it or you just didn't know how to treat it or whatever. In my case, it was all of those things. Mm -hmm. But when you walk in the door of this salon, it reflects a choice, not only that you're going to embrace it, but that you're taking action on that. So it, it reflects a real change in your thinking about, for starters, this one quality about yourself that you're just going to lean into as opposed to fighting it or wanting it to be different or doing all the things that, you know, you think are available to you to change it. You're actually taking action on, nope. I'm going to learn instead how to let it breathe and let it be what it is and find out what it could be. I mean, for me too, it was like, I didn't know. I didn't know what my curls could be because I had never had any training on how to actually take care of them that was right specifically for them. People give me advice on, you know, their own experiences, which is valuable. But this is the first place I've ever found that was like, no, no, no. You tell me about your curls and we'll figure out what's right for them. Coming here was so different because when I walked in, it was just like you're saying, it's like all different shades and shapes and sizes and colors and co literal colors of curly women. But the thing is that the one thing we all have in common is that we have curls and they're from like Kate's big loose curls to like Moni's tiny, super tight curls. And like, I was just like, oh, oh, I'm covered in this spectrum for sure. <laughs> That's amazing. And it was just, you know... Again, maybe this is also a pretty common experience. I know that it is. I grew up getting made fun of for my hair. Yes. My yes. entire school called me Afropuff when I was in sixth grade and like picked <laughs> on me. It's like now we can, I can laugh about it, but like I had no friends. I was Where so Where did miserable. you go to school? Where were That you? was in Tucson. That was in Tucson. In Arizona. Um, yeah. But I mean, the middle school that I went to for sixth grade did that to me. And when I moved in seventh grade to the school for the arts, of course, it was completely different. And I was totally embraced and it was like celebrated for being different. Um, well, I have to ask, how was it also being Jewish in Arizona? Was that a common experience? We have experience? a pretty, you know, numerically Jews are, there's not a lot of us. <laughs> there's very few of us. But um, in Tucson, there is a Jewish community that's pretty present and pretty cohesive. Okay. Got it. So um, it's a small community, but it's we're aware of one another. It's not so much okay. one of those communities that there's disparate. There are different congregations all over the city. But like Tucson is not a place like Savannah, for example, was that when I moved there when I was 17, if people if if a conversation cropped up that revealed that I was Jewish, Many, many times people would say, oh, I've never met a Jewish person. Right, right. And I ask because that's been our experience with a lot of our clients mm. that, you know, if they were Jewish or Muslim or anything different in certain parts of this country, mm -hmm. that they felt so alone. One, they had this hair that wasn't acting like, you know, other people's mm -hmm. hair. It was everything you hear unkempt, messy, 
you know, did you plug your finger in a light socket? Oh my god. And then to be different in religion from everyone around you. Yeah. And I mean, come on, Christmas, you're not celebrating Christmas, you're not showing up as everyone else. Yeah. And it's it really becomes such a difficult place to be. I think in our case, it was more about the cultural markers, which I've only recently really come to understand. It was more about the cultural markers of being Jewish that made our lives different. So for example, you know, just in the way we conduct ourselves, we just say it, right? Like there's no, we don't really do the repression thing, you know, we don't really do. So it's like, I was always more picked on because of stuff like that, where it's like, well, this nerd, you know, she uses words that we don't know because she's Mm -hmm. like a big reader. And I'm like, well, yeah, my parents are professors, you know? And so like the reflecting of the, the cultural um, priority of like being super educated and reading and reading and reading and asking all kinds of questions and that kind of thing. And so I was like the precocious kid in the class who wanted to read to my classmates when we were in first grade and they were like, sit down nerd, you know? So like, it was more like that kind of stuff. Okay. But you know, but that all goes along with it, right? Like it's that like, Oh, the curly haired nerd, look at her. Right. It's that sort of same, like it, it becomes a part of how you think about yourself where you're sort of like trying to shrink yourself a little bit. And it wasn't really until I was in my thirties that I was like, yeah, so here's the thing. I'm real big. Like I'm just big. My personality is big. My energy field is big. My the volume of my voice is big and my hair is big. Mm. And it's actually an embodiment really of my personality. And if Mm. I really like were to, I, I just became curious, what would it be like if I just stepped back and let it be wild and didn't actually care? If people thought I was walking down the street looking like I stuck my finger in a light socket, right? And it's also, it's like you can't please anybody no matter how you look, right? Because I'm getting picked on at school on the one hand and then my mom and all her friends on the other hand are like, oh, people would pay thousands of dollars to get curls like yours. And I'm like, would they? (laughs) Would they pay thousands of dollars to be ostracized completely from their social group? I bet they wouldn't because that was how I equated with my curls. Well, you know, you said a couple of really important things that we run into as curl specialists. One is the creation of Instagram. Mm. Suddenly everyone has a microphone. Everyone has a camera and everyone can gain an audience. So if somebody has figured something out Mm -hmm. about curly hair and then people start following and then it becomes a truth. Mm. And we often tell our clients, no, think about it. If you have any issue with your heart, you want to listen to a cardiologist, mm-hmm. you know, understanding that when you are following somebody on social media, that you really want to look at their credentials mm. and then how are they making money? You know, when they have mm. enough followers, now there's companies that are trying to say, okay, Hey, pitch this mm-hmm. and we're going to be able to pay you. Yeah. And so that's, that's really important. And then the other thing that you said is it was a crapshoot. You Mm -hmm. weren't sure how your hair was going to come out day in and day out. Mm -hmm. And once we really start to understand the hair, and I'm going to, you know, just say that it all started with Curly Girl, a handbook by Mm -hmm. Lorraine Massey and Michelle Bender. And Lorraine is a hairdresser who was trying to figure her own hair out Mm -hmm. and really took the time to say, wait a minute, what's going on here? Yeah. So she, she taught us to look at hair as natural fiber, Mm. that its molecular structure is the same as fur and feathers and wool. And there's these products that we would buy from influencers that Mm. we would never consider putting on our dogs or our cats. That's in, yeah, that's a good point. 
Right. Right. Because their their fur should feel like natural fur. Mm-hmm. But yet we're we're okay coating our hair with all kinds of things. Mm. And that's why it was unpredictable because you weren't understanding the science of curl. Absolutely. That, that curly hair is dry. It's dehydrated. Mm-hmm. And what we need to do is hydrate it and nourish it and moisturize it. And hydration, a big part of that is water. Mm-hmm. And when you're hydrating something, you want to make sure it's water soluble. Mm-hmm. And so a great way to find that out is put it in water and see if it dissolves. If it dissolves. Yeah. Or does it separate or does it coat the, the container you're putting it in? So it's separating bad. We don't want that. <laughs> we, we don't want that. Okay. Got we it. want it to blend. We want it. And also when you put it on your hands, mm. even your skin should be able to absorb it. If you put something yeah. on your hands and, and there's, it's leaving a coating, mm-hmm. that means your skin can't absorb it. Neither can your hair. And now it's preventing the water from being part of the hair care. From being absorbed in naturally. Exactly. And then natural oh. moisturizers. You know, we yeah. can certainly get into that more. But once you have a system, and that's what we really teach. We don't change people's curls, as right. you well know. We're going to honor your curls exactly the way they grow out of your head. Mm-hmm. What we're going to do is teach you how to care for it. And so you really want to pay attention to, you know, who you're listening to. And that's something we like to teach the clients that come and see us. There's a little bit of a, and I know you, I later discovered from you that this is a little bit by design, but there's a small barrier to entry coming here because there is like a background. And I think that that's also why it's like when, by the time you've made it through the door, you've already been invested to some degree. So maybe that's a vetting process. Maybe it's a motivational process. Maybe it is neither by design. Maybe it's both, but at least the way I experienced it was like, oh my God, this is kind of a pain in the ass. But it made me think. It forced me. It's like, okay, if I'm going to do all this homework before I even walk in the door, when I walk in the door, like I'm ready for something. And that was the case. It was like, okay, so I went through my uh, closet of products and I like wrote them all down. And I I think I even took pictures maybe. And, you know, there's like the little survey. It's like, make sure you answer all these questions or know the answers to these questions, at least before you come. Um, And then I sat down with Moni and we went through everything item by item. And it was like, what do you usually do? How often do you wash your hair? Are you using shampoo? Do you, you know, have you read the ingredients or is there anything that, you know, you see more than other things that works better for you? So having had all those conversations, I mean, A, it just made me feel listened to, which is huge. Yeah. I'm, you know, the answers are probably, there may not be a huge variation between like what people need once they first come in, but like, it felt like it was like, okay, this is very relevant to me yes. because we're talking about my starting point. We're talking about, so this is Jewish hair. This is not African hair. This is not South American hair. This is not, you know, okay, sounds good. Where's your family? Oh, Ashkenazic. Okay. That's different from Sephardic. So that's part of what we know. The other part is, you know, how are you styling it? How are you, you know? And it just felt like all of that gave me a place to come in here and have the whole place go, oh, my God, your curls look so great. Yeah, yeah, we love it. (laughs) The before to after was like so. And I remember I had been straightening it and I had never really done that before. And so I had like straightened it a couple of times. It must have been a lot of work. It was a lot of work. It was like it was I feel almost like maybe it should have been more work because it was like so easy that I was like, maybe I'll just do this. Mm. And I really was at that precipice of wow, it looks really good straight. Do I want to take that leap? My sister does the Brazilian blowout. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so glad you did for one, (laughs) 
But, you know, I have to say, okay, so you said that it's easy-ish. Okay, there's some things that are easy about it, but is it really? Right. Every time there's moisture in the air, you have to babysit it. Every time you wash your face, you know, we tease people every time somebody's talking and saliva comes out of their <laughs> mouth. I mean, any kind of wet yeah. is going to challenge if it stays that way mm -hmm. or not. And then you said it looked really good. And I don't know about that. Mm. I've seen some, you know, curly women who'll show a picture of, and this is me with my hair straight. And to me, they just look like a false sense of who they are. Mm. You know, and, and again, I always say two-dimensional. When you have straight hair, it's almost, now, I'm not saying naturally straight, okay? People who are naturally straight are stunning and gorgeous. Mm -hmm. But I feel that curly women, when they straighten their hair, it's almost like they fade into the background more. Mm. They're one of many. But when you walk in with your full crown of curls, you can't be ignored. Yeah. And so I'm really glad that you took the option of exploring the curls before you made a decision. And the other piece of that is the Brazilian straightening. Mm. It's toxic. Yeah, it's all chemicals, right? I've never done it. but I mean, okay, do you think there's anything in nature that can change the molecular structure of your hair? <laughs> Fire. Like Fire. That. Fire, yeah. Is that nature? I'm go. not sure. Sort yeah, of. That's the nature. sun, right? <laughs> yeah. And I realized, no, we, no, we don't need to make money in a way that's going to undermine integrity. Mm -hmm. People's health. Or is it worth my stylist getting older and having some kind of crazy bazillion straightening cancer Ugh. because, yeah. you know, some lung chemical. cancer or something because yeah. we needed to make money? And really, was the money the same? Because it took hours. The product was extremely expensive. Mm. And so we just decided it's not something we're going to do. We're really going to teach natural hair. Mm -hmm. And we also stopped straightening with irons mm -hmm. because we saw the same thing the elasticity of the hair was compromised mm -hmm. why are we doing that to people you know why are we validating the message of you're not beautiful or enough exactly the way you showed up mm -hmm. change yourself in order to be more beautiful or accepted and so once we went curly we never saw straight again <laughs> Tie your philosophy for me of, you know, that sort of showing up as your full self into the way that you choose to lead your team here. And tell me, start at the beginning of like, what was it when you bought it and how did you change it? Well, so I had been working here for probably eight, nine years. And the previous owner, uh, Jeff and Patty, a lovely couple, uh, were starting to you know, get kind of tired of running a salon. And, and I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do. I just knew that there was something in me that needed to happen and that I felt that I could lead a salon differently uh, than what I had seen. You know, traditionally, it's very competitive. It's uh, either nowadays, it's either booth rental or commission. Mm. And it's really rewarding, you know, not the best work ethic always. Mm. Uh, it's like, well, if you have a big clientele, we're at your mercy, no matter how crazy you are. Mm. We're going to try and make you happy because we want a piece of what you're bringing in. And so early on, before I bought, I was always studying business 
Mm -hmm. everything, hair and business. And I remain a student of life. Mm -hmm. I love learning. And happened upon a company that taught this team-based business model Mm -hmm. where people are salaried. Now you've just taken the competition out. Mm -hmm. And people are rewarded with their attitude and behaviors. And so what that means is you get a raise by having a good attitude, Mm -hmm. not by cutting more hair. By making people happy, by including making, your teammates. As, exactly. And maybe you're showing, a, you know, a skill in training. Mm-hmm. Like Moni, who you mentioned, who you first came to, is our lead stylist because she's shown tremendous skill mm-hmm. in helping people train. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, I can't do it all. I'd love for her to step into that. And, you know, Kate, another one mm-hmm. person that you mentioned is our lead guest care. She loves people, mm-hmm. loves people. She does. I'm an introvert. I love people, but she loves them more. <laughs> she feeds <laughs> off of people. That's different. Yes. Very different. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, okay, how about you stepping into guest care leadership? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I'm in. Teach me. Yeah. And so what's cool is now they don't have to necessarily cut more hair Mm -hmm. they have to help lead the company and it gives them incentive to grow professionally as well right because if if you're making 80 percent of your money off of tips and and you have to do volume in order to live there right then why would you ever stop cutting long enough to become a manager you wouldn't want to lead a team because the money is in the the people in the chair right well unlike uh waitressing Mm -hmm. you don't make the majority of the money off tips so it's the fee really yeah i mean it's everything yeah it's it's the whole package uh but it isn't like like waiting tables so i just wanted to to put that out there thanks for clarifying because i don't work in this so i didn't know (laughs) but so what we get to do now that they're being paid you know regardless is we get to have fun Mm -hmm. so for example we take tuesdays a team development day we don't see clients. We work on our skill and we work ourselves on ourselves as people. Mm. So we've been able to include things such as yoga and meditation class, uh, nutrition and gut health, because mm. that's, you know, linked to everything, mm-hmm. including skin and hair and nails. Mm-hmm. Um, we have done financial management and literacy because that's they awesome. need. Yeah, because, you know, what I realized is what I get to do as a, a leader of a team is I get to help mold and shape. And why mm-hmm. wouldn't I want to empower them to be their full self? Yeah. And again, the lesson comes from curly hair because it's all tied together. Because when we teach clients to be in their full power, they're able to step out and be more confident in who they are as individuals. Mm-hmm. I don't know who said we're going to come to this planet to be the same. Mm-hmm. Is there like a special, you know, <laughs> philosopher up in heaven that said okay you shall go to earth and all be the same (laughs) seek conformity yes exactly (laughs) no we're here to be individuals and to each bring you know as the alchemist says by paulo coelho Mm -hmm. we each have a personal legend and we're here to put that energy on this earth and in hopes of leaving it a better place and so that's what I get to do as a team leader is find that magic in each person mm. and coach them to that. And I love, love, love working with everyone. Uh, but I'm going to say the young people we mm-hmm. have now, we have all ages. You do. Um, I love that. Yes. yes. But why I say that is because 
it's such a different world. Mm-hmm. And they teach me about a lot of things, like everything electronic, they've helped me figure out. <laughs> and some, of They're course. They're so useful. <laughs> all the colloquialisms. I like to stay in the know of what's happening in the, you know, in the verbiage of uh, young cool people. Kids exactly, exactly. <laughs> but also I get to help teach some discipline that, mm-hmm. you know what? I know everybody at this point were trained to be ADHD mm-hmm. because we're always on the phone. We're always, you know, looking at something. We're always doing something. But how do you find that magic in you and then focus and hone it in to really make it something special in your soul's purpose? Mm-hmm. And that's what we get to do here as a business with this team-based business model. And so we have a lot of fun and we get to, gosh, one team development day we spent it at the beach Oh my gosh. Awesome. And we did team building things in the sand. We even you did. literally <laughs> built the team out of sand. <laughs> well, no, we played this game and they had to draw in the sand. But it, And then we did a, a video of, you know, this lovely curly girl we met on the beach, a curl refresh at the beach. She was oh down for it. So that I was so much it. fun. You know, we had another uh, team meeting and, and one of our clients invited us to her pool. So we said, let's have our team meeting there and include her because we'd love to hear her feedback. She's, you know, we like to say on our board of directors, she's oh invested gosh, in it. the, in this company mm-hmm. and wants to see it, you know, thrive. Mm-hmm. So let's get her in on the action. Yeah. And so we get to have some, we get to do it differently yeah. and have fun. And in the fun, we find our talents and we get to be welcoming to people like you who come in not understanding how incredibly gorgeous and stunning they are with their hair. Mm. And then educate them to that. And I mean, you remember the first time you saw your hair, like what was the feeling that you had? I, it almost gave me, I I really remember, you know, so sitting, sitting right there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I really remember coming, I mean, and I was like, we're going all in. I did the deep conditioning. I did all the things. I just wanted to like try to heal it as much as possible. And I couldn't. It was like I couldn't recognize myself almost. It was like looking in the mirror. It was like I finally got to see what I wish my curls could have looked like my whole life. Yeah. And I had a moment of like, well, shit, if it had been like this, I would have done it this whole time. Wow. And that was a crazy feeling because like I, I've always been a little self-conscious about the hair and the, you know, whatever. I mean, these days it's like a thing I acknowledge and like push away, right? The mindful practice of like, yep, I see that there is a habit of being embarrassed. We're not doing that right now. Mm. Um, But this was the first time that I remember sitting there and looking in the mirror and being like, had I but known, I would have just been doing this the whole time. (laughs) And then I went on a shopping spree for, you know, satin Ah. pillowcases and got my bonnets. I got all the things, (laughs) the bamboo towels. Yes. Unbelievable. What were people's reactions when they saw you? Did your friends and it was coworkers notice uh, they noticed immediately they yeah. did when they say they were just like oh my god your curls well and part of the reason that they noticed immediately is because i never wore my hair down ever oh my god and now i finally and now i almost always do like this even i was like oh i hope wafaya doesn't yell at me for p- tying my hair back <laughs> no you did it right see here put a little clip we got to be gentle no it looks great but like now because I understand how to like maintain the, the, um, structure of the curls so much better. 
I try not to not wear my hair down because it's so much more work to restore the curls than it is if I just, you know, slap the bonnet on, sleep with it on, do a little spray to refresh in the morning and keep going. So now I, I try it. not, it's usually like, okay, it's been like almost a week and like wash day's coming anyway. And then I'll start to tie it back. This is a week old? Um, This is probably four days. Wow. Four or five days now. That's yeah. amazing. It could use a trim, but we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. <laughs> but thank you. But yeah, I mean, they noticed immediately. And, and a huge reason for that is because I was just wearing it down all the time now. Wow. They noticed the color. They noticed the shape. I mean, I've always had this streak. So many people had never noticed it before. And we're like, oh my God, that streak. I love it. And I was like, yeah, I've had it for 25 years. <laughs> but I know it's so funny. All the things people say, it's like, what would you do differently? Is it your makeup? Is it this? Is it, no, it's my curls. Yeah. yeah. They've come to life. You know, and I'm having a deep thought right now, thinking about some of the stuff you were just saying. It didn't occur to me how much of myself wasn't visible mm. to other people until that. Yeah. Like this element of myself existed for 25 years, but nobody saw it. I took your it for street. Yeah. You know, wow. it's like, I took it for granted. I love it. You don't realize how much of yourself you hide. Yeah. On a daily basis. I mean, you know, each lesson is deep, gets deeper and deeper, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like you said, okay, why am I hiding? Why am I hiding myself? And when you, you also just said something a little bit ago about, okay, yeah, the embarrassing, the embarrassment thing, that's not going to happen today. Who's ultimately the judge of you? Yeah. Do you really think people are walking around judging you? Are they all, we're all carrying our own bullshit. Yeah. Trying to figure out ourselves. Nobody really spends that much time <laughs> on you. And if yeah. they do, it's, it's an, a reflection of what's going on inside of them. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're in judgment of something, ask yourself, like, what is going on in this moment? Why am I judging that? Mm -hmm. Is it because I'm not living up to my own standard? Mm. And then what's funny is this, like, you know, if you have children or kids in your life mm -hmm. and you want to teach them something or coach them to, let's say, meditating every day, mm -hmm. are you going to do it by browbeating them and, <laughs> and criticizing them? Right. Or are you going to do it by inspiring them mm -hmm. to want to do it? And why is it we can get that? clarity around speaking to someone else, mm -hmm. but we can't get that same clarity about how we speak to ourselves. In the, in this place, in this physical space, there is a lot of the like people you've never talked to before, people you've never seen before. And I'm not just talking about the stylist because that, that is easy to do. Uh, yeah, of course they get paid for this. Like, of course they're going to say, oh my God, your curls look amazing. It's the clients. It's, yeah. we say it to each other because especially myself, like I'm in here for four hours when I come. <laughs> Because it just, I mean, it takes, we, we do a lot. But so like, I see people come in, get their cut, go through their whole process. And then I see the finish when they leave oftentimes. And I find now I'm one of the ones who's like, oh my God, your curls look incredible. Yeah. yeah. Cause from the time they come in and they're just like, I don't know. And I've seen some people come in for their first time. I've now been coming here long enough where I'm like, oh, it's a first timer. I can tell. Yeah. Yeah. And when they leave, they, they have that same Look, I must have had in my eyes, like that sparkly eyed, like, I didn't know. It's addictive. It's addictive. When we reveal or introduce someone to their curls <clears throat> for the first time, it, it's so addictive, that feeling of awe when someone looks at themselves and that mm. we help them get there. 
Yeah. And you're right. There's so many clients, regulars, you know, especially when you're getting a color service mm-hmm. or, you know, something done and you're able to sit and kind of look out at the salon. And I see it all the time that mm-hmm. a client's watching, especially the little ones. I mm-hmm. think it's because we're all really healing the little curly girl inside of us or curly boy inside oh God, of us. Totally. Right. Yes. And, um, you know, they'll watch it and they're like, I, I, I don't want to leave yet. Can I stay and see their hair? Will you take a picture and show me next time? Oh. Or if they're here to watch, they're just, you can see they're lighting up watching yeah. somebody else see the beauty of their curls for the first time. Yeah. It, it, it is truly just a magical experience. Is it a metaphor for you or is it the thing itself? If that makes sense. Like is introducing people the way you said it, I really like revealing to someone the beauty that already existed within their Mm, curls mm. and within themselves. Is it a metaphor for you to showing them other things about themselves or to you, is it actually the same thing? Oh, I think it's definitely both for sure. For sure. Right. Hair is just your, it's your crown. It's, you know, like you can change your shoes, but you can't, your hair is on your head every day of your life. It's going to be the way it's going to be. Right. So you can either fight it every day. Or you can, yeah. And, and you know, frankly, I was just saying this to one of my team. You could dress however you want, but if your hair doesn't look good, you'll never look as good. Mm. Yet, if your hair looks amazing, you could almost be wearing anything and it wouldn't matter. That's true. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> yeah. And so when people love how their hair looks and feel good in it, and they're wearing it, not it's wearing them, mm-hmm. there is definitely an energy shift internally of who they are and how they show up. They're more confident. Mm -hmm. They might, you know, step out of a comfort zone a little more and try something new. Mm -hmm. They, you know, and it becomes a a topic of conversation. We have a lot of middle schoolers even that say, I get boinged all the time. I think they like that tension, Mm -hmm. you know, not in a painful boingy way, but you know, like people love it. They love it. It becomes part of their identity. Yeah. And they're known as the person with curls. And so they don't want to change it. That's true. That is very true. Yeah. It is always. And I will say, too, that like, and I know that this is a sensitive thing for other people. It's not my lived experience that it's projected onto me in the same way. But like, so, for example, when I first started getting it and the curls were really coming back and coming back into their shape, excuse me, um, people would come up and they'd be like, is it out? May I touch it? And I was like, yes, but (laughs) you can't do this. You can't do that. But you, but if you just want to feel it, you can. And they were so (laughs) curious and they, and they were like, oh, so soft. And I'm like, let's face it. Let's face it. Like if you're wearing your curls, right. And they're looking good Mm -hmm. everywhere you go. Somebody comments. That's true. Recently, my husband and I went to Maine to visit another curly stylist. Uh, she has a the curl boutique up in Maine and everywhere we went sightseeing mm-hmm. I don't think he's ever been exposed to it this much but everywhere everyone's like oh my gosh I love your curls oh I love the color oh I love your hair oh I love your curls like every step we took and you know one thing we definitely teach here you may have heard it a lot but it's the first time that person is saying it. Mm-hmm. And so my response is always thank you as if I've never heard it again. Mm-hmm. And the reason we say that here is because you're right. We do hear some of the same stories or feelings and, you know, a lot 
we're seeing a lot of new, you know, yeah. curly girls all the time and curly boys. And, and so we are he hearing the same stories, but they've never said it before. Yeah. And so the minute we tune out and act like, oh, we've heard it all before, we've lost the connection. Mm -hmm. And so, and I just want to say one other thing about our culture that we onboard. We onboard with the concept of sawabona, which is how the Natal tribe in South Africa greet each other by saying sawabona. And it means, I see you. Mm -hmm. And the response is equally, equally uh, deep. And it's sikona which literally means, and I am here, but figuratively means because you see me, I exist. Mm. And when we onboard and teach our team this, all people really want is to be seen mm -hmm. and to be valued. When yeah. we're here, we want to matter. We want our existence to mean something. And the simplest way to do that is to see each other fully mm. from crown to toe. And so that is definitely a very underlying theme in our culture here. The Curl Code is brought to you from the Oasis Curl Salon in Rockville, Maryland, hosted by the one and only Wafea Abdullah. Produced, edited, and recorded by me, Hannah Gaber. If you like the show, please leave us a five-star rating. And if you've got some nice things to say, go ahead and leave us a review. But most importantly, please share the show with anyone you think would enjoy it. Word of mouth really is the best way to help people find us. Learn more about Curly Oasis at www.curlyoasis.com and continue your curl education journey by finding them on Instagram and YouTube. The Curl Code is a Say More production.